Hi, I'm Marie Marx, the host of this podcast. In Money Makers, we explore the world of startups, entrepreneurship, and investments. We discuss with founders, industry experts, and investors to find out what makes a great success in business, what founders should focus on, and how to achieve your objectives. This podcast is proposed to you by Centec Ventures, or an angel investment firm based in Barcelona. We invest in ideas that disrupt the old, large and conventional markets. We empower entrepreneurs with international scalable ideas. We believe in the power of thinking outside the box to contribute to visionary entrepreneurs. Don't forget, if you have an interesting project and you believe we should work together, send us your deck at info at This being said, let's get into today's episode. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome on a new episode of Moneymakers. Today we're with Carlos. Carlos is one of the most renowned and reputed experts in investment rounds in Spain. He has advised his VCs, entrepreneurs, accelerators in closing rounds and advising public administration and building startup ecosystem. He's the CEO of The Closing, a legal and advisory firm based in Madrid and Barcelona. Carlos, how's it going? Hello, Marie. Thanks for inviting me to this uh, wonderful uh, opportunity. <laughs> Without exaggeration. <laughs> so, Carlos, uh, tell us what's your, what's your profile kind of thing. Tell us what you do to help companies, how do you have the fundraising process, and how you add value to entrepreneurs. Good question. Um, listen, you know, the typical lawyers, they do only the, the legal part. But to me, that sounds really boring. Okay, I, I will be, I'll be honest with you, Marie. Uh, so, yeah, I, I discovered that uh, for a lawyer to give some added value to their clients, um, you know, you need to, to mentor them, you know, along the whole process. Because it's not only about uh, drafting legal documents, but also about um, guiding them uh, about uh, the right decisions. Because being entrepreneur lawyer means actually guide, uh, deal with people who don't have previous experience. So they are completely lost. And they are dealing with people who are in the opposite situation, investors. They do this on a daily basis. So um, there's a huge difference between both parties, between both sides of the table. And I think that that's what uh, good lawyers do, you know, to, to, to go along the process and, and guide uh, guiding uh, entrepreneurs. So what we finally do is to analyze the structure of every startup. And if there are mistakes, we correct them. And when we done that, we draft documents and help to negotiate them. Okay, so if I come to you as, a, as an entrepreneur, tomorrow I come to you with, with my idea, my business, whatever, and I'm closing my first round. What type of round are you working on mostly? Working on seed rounds, mostly? What's your focus? Well, um, to be honest, for a lawyer it's more uh, profitable. Uh, yeah, uh, seed rounds and... and, and uh, well, rounds from two, three hundred thousand onwards, but um, in order to be able for a startup to reach that amount, you need to do things correctly um, previously. So, for us, it's good to have um, you know contact with the entrepreneur in their first investment round, like a hundred k, even in the triple F, because then you you can structure everything correctly. Just start and then yes. we continue to work with you in the following rounds and everything is done well. Exactly. Okay, interesting. So, 
as a founder, there's so many things on the law side that I don't know about. And when, as you say, like young people that found companies struggle. So, so what type of services exactly do you provide? You speak about documents, but what type of documents are you talking about? Yes, uh, entrepreneurs should uh, know that um, the typical documents for investment round are the following. First of all, the term sheet or letter of intent. Okay, this document is very important because it's a document that summarizes the main points to be taken into account in an investment round. In other words, it's like um, it's like a first date. Okay, between couples, it's like let's go to cinema first before going to sleep together. Okay, it's like um, in in legal terms, that would mean um, let's see if we can reach an agreement in ten basic points. Because if not, it's not worth it, okay, to spend more time and money, mm-hmm. okay, uh, developing those points in a shareholders agreement, which is the second kind of a document, is maybe the, the most um, the most renowned one, but uh, people should know that the first one term sheet is the document who can save a lot of time for them, and actually it's a big mistake not involving the lawyer in that first basic um, document. Some entrepreneurs sign that document and then call the lawyer for developing in the shareholders agreement. Okay, that's a big, big mistake. Interesting metaphor that you brought on site. Um, I'm not sure whether I do the cinema and then straight away, you know, apply your process. But anyway, interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So tell me about the, the shareholders agreement and how does that function, what it represents for the founder, for the investor and for you as a lawyer. Okay, um, let me follow with the same uh, comparison. Like, so the shareholders agreement is like the marriage. Okay. Marriage rules. Uh-huh. Okay. It's like how uh, we will live together. Okay. In this new phase of our life. Okay. Investors and entrepreneurs. Um, so basically, we're trying to summarize right now. Okay. The main uh, points would be dealing with uh, management of the company. Who will manage, who will make decisions on a daily basis. We would try to separate daily decisions uh, to others that are more, um, you know, are, are more uh, important and need uh, uh, express uh, yes, express permission of investors. Um, of course, there's one point that many founders don't know, but uh, it's very important to agree the permanence of the founders. Okay, um, nobody would invest in your company if uh, you don't compromise to stay in the same company for three, four, five years at least, okay? So all these things need to be um, regulated. And of course, everything related to transfer of shares and, and the exit uh, of the investor in, uh, from the company because at the end of the day, investor is there to make money. Mm-hmm. It's something temporary, you know? it's what it's called financial, financial investor, okay? So again, it's the marriage rules. So as curiosity, what are the biggest mistakes considering the shareholders agreement that you've seen in the past on the side of the investor and on the side of the entrepreneur? Because every investor wants the shares that correspond him, wants the rules that correspond him. So, so what do you believe is the biggest problem on this end? Well, actually, to be honest, the, the, the main problem is when uh, entrepreneurs don't hire a specialized lawyer. <laughs> no, don't laugh, really, because i tell you why. Because all this negotiation happens according to some market standard practice. So that's what I mean by specialized lawyer. Because one thing is to know about the law. Another thing is about uh, knowing how these negotiations work. So um, 
all these investors who invest on a daily basis, I mentioned before, um, they all follow a same structure in their documents for some reason, because it makes market safer. It makes uh, for everyone easier and faster to close documents. It's something, to be honest, copied from Silicon Valley, okay? They created, in, they created for some reason. There's a reason behind every close, every structure. And, and the rest of the world, we, we copy, basically. We, we adapt to our jurisdiction, but it, it's, it's the same. So at the end of the day, that's the, the main, main mistake, really, not to have a, a proper lawyer. Um, another thing I always, I always say is like, if you don't want to follow those market uh, rules, you are out of the investment market. That's very, very important to, to keep that in mind. I will put an example, uh, vetor rights. Okay, vetor rights, it's a kind of right that startups give to investors to say no to certain decisions. For example, if you as a founder want to raise your own salary with investors' money, it's logical that they have to give your, you know, uh, their permission, right? It sounds good. But for the, for the entrepreneur, that sounds logical, okay? <laughs> so um, some entrepreneurs um, are not fine with this. They think, why? I, I'm only giving a 10% to someone and I'm giving this power. So I, I don't accept this. If you do that, you are out. You cannot access to the main qualified investors in the market. And if you do that, then you have to go to other kind of investors. But these other kind of investors who are more uh, used to invest in factories, for example, you know, or bakeries, or the more traditional things, um, they would never accept a valuation of one, two million of a business that is just starting. Mm -hmm. So it's just the two sides of the coin that people should take into account when, when dealing with this kind of investments. So I'm a founder and I want, to, I want to raise my salary just to keep that as an example. But I have to ask the investors for agreement. But you, as you say, like, at what stage are we talking about? Because if I have some decisions to make, am I going to ask every single business angel on my cap table for an agreement in order to make a decision in my own company? No, it's not every investor. It's a very good question, Marie, again. Um, normally... Thanks for sending me flowers. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... The, the thing is, it depends on how many investors you have in your pool. You only have one, he will have this, this right no, for, for, uh, to say no. But uh, you have four, five, ten. Normally, you choose the majority of them. But no, not by the number of investors, but by the money they put mm -hmm. in total, the percentage, okay? You want more than 50% of the money represented by the invested funds. And in terms of a syndication, would it be the lead leader of the syndication that would make that decision? Sometimes it is clear when there is one lead investor, sometimes it is not. Sometimes it's, uh, it's, it's, the, it's a sum, you know, it's, um, you need to, to, to make the summatory, uh -huh. like, um, to get this majority. Okay. okay. Right, so speaking about the market of investment, a bit more from a general perspective. What can you tell me about the, the functionment of the functioning, 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 yeah. functioning of the market of investment and what you, what you think about it? I think, to be honest, that we, we must feel very privileged. I mean, uh, 
Some people uh, complain about no, this, this field in particular, the valuations, everything. Um, if this is something, a fashion in the market. I think right now um, we can be very privileged, at least in Spain, that we are living a big, big rise, a fast one, by the way. Um, to be honest, I think only people who don't find money complain. Yeah, and if course. they don't find money, it's for some reason. They are doing something wrong then you're not going to raise, I mean, of course, you're not going to raise money if your idea is not good enough, if your team is not good enough, if the market is not good enough. So that makes sense. At the end of the day, venture capital and investors are some of the pushers of the, of the innovation because most founders, without these investors, cannot raise the companies themselves, even by bootstrapping. So I, I, my personal opinion is that it's a great push in terms of innovation. Yes, absolutely. Um, at the end of the day, if you are good at you do things right, you get your goals. Mm. So easy. I mean, uh, and, and there are some people who have good ideas, good team, but they don't know how to raise money. Mm. They, they go to the wrong door with the wrong pitch. You know, there are m many things. I mean, at the end of the day, this is like a small science. Really, raising money is a small science. You need to, to know about it. Do you think startup valuation is, is an art or a science? That's a tricky question, right? It's, it is, it is, it is. Um, it has part of science, but it's an art the way you sell it, ah. right? Uh, um, it, it is science because it's, it's based on scalability, right? I mean, there are so, some market practice again, some ratios, some multiples you, you make on, on your revenues, for example. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it has also a component of art because it's the faith the investor would put on your project. And that's based on the, the, the art you have in selling yourself and your capability to perform a business plan. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's once again, it's, it's like a couple trying to, to go beyond, you know, like uh, it's, it has a matter of faith also and yeah. so, some facts on the table. Right? Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So speaking about Barcelona, right, because we're in Barcelona, what do you think of Barcelona's startup ecosystem? or Madrid, like the Spanish ecosystem compared to the rest of the world's ecosystem in terms of, of VC, in terms of funding, but also in terms of, of startups? <clears throat> Again, good question, Marie. Um, Stop. <laughs> it's my... <laughs> you didn't make any wrong question yet, so I must insist on that idea. Um, so the Spanish market is going very well. I mean, I, I have the privilege to, to be part of, of the... Of, of the start of this uh, ecosystem, you know, I've been, I've been dealing with this since 2003, so... I was five years old. Oh, <laughs> you were preparing yourself, yeah. I was preparing myself. I was putting the table for you, eh? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I saw all, all the growth, and I must say that right now, um, yeah, we, we, let's say the whole world, once again, we are copying Silicon Valley, so everything is invented. It depends on if people put the, 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 the good resources um, and the passion that they can get it. In Barcelona, we have the, the advantage that we have very good investment um, schools, okay, like ESE, SADE, okay, all these things with MBA. We attract a lot of talent and we have the good weather. So it's a place where a lot of good executive people who did exits in the past uh, all around the world, they come here. So we, we have talent, we have experience and who from who we can learn, okay? Madrid 
it's a place or Valencia. They they started later than Barcelona, but they are going so fast, tremendously fast, um, and almost the same level. Okay, but Barcelona is a bit more mature in terms of investment because. Because it started before, that's the mm -hmm. only reason. I mean, it's not uh, whether uh, better or worse, okay? In terms of international uh, investment, I remember there was a presentation done by Ascri a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago, about the amount of international investment Spain is managing to attract on a private equity level, on a venture capital level. It's really insane. So what do you think can make Spain continue to push that connectedness among the international markets and the attractiveness they have among international investors? Well, um, once again... Very good question, yeah, buddy. <laughs> I, I try not to say this time, though it is. So, <laughs> um, the, the, the right situation, the current situation in Spain about our ecosystem is that, in my opinion, that we are trying to consolidate Series B, which purpose is to international, internationalize uh, the, the startup. And that's, when, that's at the exact point where um, international investors come okay so we have a few good examples of companies who grow a lot not like Globo and Wallapop all this all this stuff but we are still trying to consolidate the series B okay so th that's what we have to do uh, and this is something that happens with time naturally you know every ecosystem needs some time to close a lot of startups all those people who close the startups, they learn from their previous mistake, they start another ones. This is a process, matureness. Um, that's why Silicon is so, so far from us, because they started much uh, before us, okay? Um, so it's a matter of time. That's it, that's my opinion. Interesting. Um, so, hang on. <laughs> going back to, going back to to the valuation in Spain and to the valuation on the international market. As you say, there is much more matureness, I'd say, in Silicon Valley than in Spain. However, this, this goes along with the valuation. The valuation of a Series A company that's starting to make revenue and that's, you know, starting to, has broken even and has, has some nice client and stuff and is growing nicely in Spain. And that same company in Silicon Valley is crazy, right? So, how can you explain that? Well, um, yeah, the, the, the famous bubble and, and, and the difference between valuations in different ecosystems, right? Well, you have to think that valuations are based on, um, first of all, scalability, right? Uh, we spoke about before, right? Like the, the art of uh, selling how big you can become in a short period of time. Uh, another thing is the percentage you have or you can give in every investment round, which is uh, average 20%. It's also a, a, a condition no, to, to take into account for the valuation. And, and then is the money in the market. The, the, the more money in the market... The more, the bigger the valuation. Yes. Logic, yeah. yeah. So the, the, uh, I was recently listening to uh, Luis Cavieles in a, in a conference, in a speech. He said he prefers investing in periods where there are no money in the market. Is the, the, the best moment for investors, right? This year in particular, there's a lot of VCs, it's a record of money available in the market, and valuations are expected to rise a lot. A lot of funds are raising, uh, I mean, a lot of new funds are appearing, yes. a lot of people are raising funds for every single reason and every single state and every single vertical you can think about. It's pretty crazy. I think the next five years are going to be very interesting for the Spanish market. 
Absolutely. And also corrections are expected for sure. I mean, uh, this is economy at the end of the day. Uh, people try and market correct you. Yeah. Let's wait. Let's see what happens. The best will stay. Um, some uh, verticals will make no sense. Uh, we will find it out in the way. Yeah, Spanish market is still at the MVP stage, right? <laughs> no, I say that. <laughs> it's a joke. But, uh, anyway, jokes yeah. apart. So, as the lawyer working with founders all the time, what do you think are the biggest uh, mistakes that entrepreneurs make in the fundraising process, apart from not surrounding themselves by a professional lawyer? <coughs> apart from that, because everything starts from that. But, uh, okay. Um, yeah, I actually normally give a speech in many accelerators programs about this topic, okay? I would try to mention two or three uh, right now. Um, for example, one of them is when people ask more money than they need, okay? Um, startups uh, funders should know that they are expected to ask uh, money for at least 12 months, but not for more than 18 months. So they calculate that upon the burning rate of the company, right? So I have a startup right now. Mm -hmm. I'm at FFS stage and I want to raise a seed. I mean, I'm, at, I'm about to raise my first seed stage, right? And I want to know how much money I need to raise the next, uh, let's say, between 12 and 18 months, like you said. Mm -hmm. How do I calculate that amount of money? Taking my burning rate and multiplying, multiplying it by 12 or up to 18. How, how would you do it? Oh, yes, exactly. Well, first of all, you need to uh, hire a proper financial, okay? That's something <laughs> a lawyer, a, family, a financial. Okay, that's very, very important. But every business plan, it, it's, it's also a matter of faith because no one can know what will happen in the following two, three, four months. It's very, very complicated to fulfill what you expected, okay? Um, that's answered your question. Yes, I was, I was actually curious about that one. For example, recently I've seen a founder that had, it was just, it was just a deck at the end of the day, a deck and a nice, nice couple of, of people out of university with great, uh, great motivation, great idea. And there's nothing done. I mean, there is an application that they pay the company to develop, but there is no metrics. And then you ask them, what's the current valuation of your company? And they'll look at you and say, oh, 1.2. But how is that possible? It's not, but how is that? How can you explain such a misunderstanding upon the valuation of the startups among entrepreneurs? Yes, it's very, it's very difficult, really. It's, uh, once again, we, we think we're going to the answer to your previous question. Uh, the evaluation is an art, right? Yeah. Because at the end, it's using the market practice on your benefit, to be honest, okay? Because it's like, if there's an, an average, okay, about... Um, if it's an, an average about um, one, 1.2 million valuation for companies just starting, um, you should use it in your favor, okay? Um, let, let's say that right now, uh, it's a big mistake talking about this, which says that um, some entrepreneurs assume that the higher valuation they get, the better for the startup, okay? So this is a big mistake because once you can get a high valuation, with your triple F, for example, uh, startup funders normally think they, they succeed. Okay, we got a high valuation, my company is valued like this. But no, actually when you go to your further investment round, you go to qualified investors, they put you in your place. The market corrects you. And trust me, it's very a shame to go to your 
first investors and look into to their eyes and tell them that they paid too much because you were wrong. Mm. It's a very, very typical mistake. So um, let's try to focus on the market practice and be humble, be conservative in your valuation. It's better to grow along every investment round than try to correct down um, in any of them. Yeah. But speaking about the FFF, like if I go myself to my friends and my family and, and, and the other fools that might give me money for, for my business idea, who values the company? I do. So it doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that, that's, very, that's very difficult, I know. I know. Um, some people, what they do is to use the, the convertible notes. It's like, let, let's, let's postpone the valuation to the first, uh, let's say, uh, serious round, okay, um, with normal investors. And then, obviously, your first investor, your triple F, get a discount over that valuation. And that's a very fair thing, to be honest. What's the thing, well, what's the main factor that pushes an investor to invest in a company? What's the number one? Like, or give, give me three, but in order. What's the most important one, second most important one, first one? Okay, um, let's say, by, by the, 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 sequa, the sequence of facts, obviously, would be to to invest in a validated idea, of course, attractive one with traction. But the most important for me is the team. I mean, the idea, it's a, it's a given. It's a given that it, it, it works, that it has traction. Uh, otherwise, just don't go to, to raise money, right? Um, but team, team is the key of everything because at the end of the day, investors, especially those who have experience, they, they know that the team is the key about performing a business plan. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's like they, they know that they will have to face so many difficulties. They will have to change everything in the business plan, everything, uh, even the business model. All these things that are likely to happen. Um, the, the capability you see in the eyes and in the CV of the team is what make investors to invest. Mm. Okay, so it's very important for the, for, the, for the startup before going to the market to raise money to structure a good team and very important to have them full time. It's very important, otherwise investors don't, don't invest in you, you don't invest in yourself, mm -hmm. you don't invest your time, right? Um, and you need to give equity to your key team, to, to the, the key members of your team. Because otherwise, investors don't feel that your team is highly motivated. Mm -hmm. And since team is the most important for them for making their decisions to invest in your company, the higher risk of the team members to leave the company is also a higher risk for the investors to lose their money. Okay. Interesting. Thanks. Good answer. So to close off this podcast, because we're not going to record for two hours about the same topic again and again, what would be your top tips for founders when raising funding? Okay, so listen, guys. <laughs> listen, guys. On a very serious note. Yeah. Straight to the point, okay? Listen, choose one member of your team who will focus only in fundraising, this is very important. Doesn't it have to be the CEO or the co like one of the co-founders? Yes, well, it could be one of the, found the founders, but um, not always the CEO. I always advise 
the person who communicates better. Normally it's the CEO, but sometimes I saw the CMO or the COO. It depends on the capabilities because it's very important. Trust me, the way you communicate, okay? Um, second, build a CRM of potential investors, okay? A client relationship management, uh, uh, Excel, spreadsheet, whatever. Uh, you need to, to focus on this activity in exclusivity and treat it as if you were looking for clients for your company. So do this CRM and follow up, follow up. Um, train your pitch, that's very important. Um, the way you, you present your idea gets impact and gives you the door open to, to go beyond. No, I mean, investors are tired to receive CVs, to receive um, decks, uh, to, to attend to investor forums. They only want to speak to someone who can impact them. No, I want to know more about this guy. So train your pitch with professionals, really. Uh, they send you hire a lawyer, you hire a, you hire a financial advisor, hire a, a professional coach for your pitch. Shout out to Taryn Hughes, <laughs> based in Barcelona. Excellent pitch. I will, I will. Um, Then be constant, be patient. It's not easy, it's not fast. Sometimes it is, but um, don't expect it to happen. Um, because you, you will receive a lot of no's, you will receive many directly no answers. So just learn from every stage of your fundraising process uh, because you will grow every no, every month, every investment forum you go, every time you do the pitch, you will be better and you will be closer to your yes, okay? And finally, read, learn from the market, everything is written. You are surrounded by a lot of examples about people who can mentor you or, or a lot of articles in uh, YouTube, TEDx. There are many things there. Focus on that and, and, and do your best. And of course, get a good lawyer. <laughs> well, Carlos, thank you very much. And it was very interesting speaking to you today. I hope my questions were not too long. <laughs> no, they were not. My pleasure to, to be here. And, uh, well, let's speak to you soon. Take care. Ciao, ciao. All the best. This podcast was proposed to you by Centec Ventures. We hope you found a lot of value, inspiration and new ideas. If you want to find out more about entrepreneurship, founders, stories and startups, don't hesitate to subscribe. To get in touch, you can contact me at mariemarks at centecventures.com or drop us a tweet at Centec Ventures or on my personal Twitter, underscore Marie Marks. See you very soon. Ciao, ciao.